Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Increase Immunity and Health with Ayurveda. And I'm here today with Cynthia Koppel, the longest continually practicing U.S.-trained Ayurvedic practitioner in the United States. Cynthia Koppel is a nationally recognized Ayurvedic doctor certified by NAMA, N-A-M-A, which stands for the National Ayurvedic Medical Association, of which she is a co-founder and past president. As director of the Lotus Holistic Health Institute in Santa Cruz, California, for over 35 years, she has helped thousands regain their health and rediscover their passion for life. She is also co-founder and past dean of Mount Madonna Institute College. Cynthia is the author of the book, Know Your Blueprint, The Ayurvedic Secret to Restoring Your Vitality in 30 Days. In her previous life, she was a Vietnam War correspondent and photographer and is currently working on a memoir. You can learn more about Cynthia, her Ayurvedic programs and books at her website, lotusayurveda.com. So welcome, Cynthia Koppel. I'm just really pleased to have you back today as a guest on the Yoga Hour. Thank you very much. It's uh, my honor to be able to share this ancient wisdom of Ayurveda, especially yeah. about the pandemic. Exactly. And we'll have a chance to really dive into that topic in a minute. But before we go there, uh, before we begin our discussion about increasing immunity and health with Ayurveda, let's start with a, a moment of contemplation, a lovely moment just to bring ourselves fully present so we can appreciate this moment. So let's start by bringing our attention and awareness, just really feeling our bodies in space, no matter what you're doing right now, feeling all of the surfaces that are supporting your body. So perhaps you're seated in a chair, maybe you're standing or walking, just feel all of the surfaces that support your body, feel any breeze or if you can feel the temperature of the air on your skin notice whatever is in your field of vision notice any sounds you might hear 
And then turn your attention to your breath. And just notice as you take a fully conscious breath, really paying attention as you inhale and exhale. Bring your attention to the inside of your nostrils and feel the cool air on the inhale. And the next exhale, notice the warm air flowing out. Just notice the natural flow of the breath. Don't try to change it. Just notice. Give yourself this moment out of your busy day to just be here now, just breathing. And as we rest here, right where we are, here's something to contemplate. Taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's Book of Inspirations. It is human nature to love certain parts of our life and to reject others. But this causes us to miss the blessings that hide behind distressing disguises. With spiritual vision, with spiritual vision, we open ourselves to the realization of universal goodness, the truth that everything is working together for the fulfillment of divine purpose and our highest happiness. In a heart made whole by surrender, the dark night of grief heralds the dawn of new life. Accepting life in all its aspects opens the door to experiencing the unconditional joy of the soul. And again, that reading is from Yogacharya Brian's Book of Inspirations for the Sake of the Soul. So once again, Cynthia Koffel, welcome to the Yoga Hour. And I wanted to start by just talking about how Ayurveda, how your long practice of Ayurveda is helping you, and particularly during this time of the pandemic, which is has caused many of most of us, all of us, to change our behaviors and has introduced a, a level of new stress for many people. So, so how are you doing and how is Ayurveda helping you personally? Well, personally, it's not moving around so much, not driving to my office every day, not driving over the hill a couple of times a week. Um, staying in one place is very settling. It's very increases kapha, according to Ayurveda. So it's going to increase ojas. Um, it, it's, I feel more settled. And when I'm more settled, I can pay more attention to what Ayurveda says about our body, mind, soul, and I can pay attention to what is helping me thrive and what is creating imbalance in my life. When I'm really busy with my workaholic nature, I can ignore much of what's going on inside my body and just sort of follow my Ayurvedic routines routinely. But with this kind of quiet time, I really notice some bad habits I can get into. Mm. I notice when I feel the best. So I've actually, over time, refined my daily routine where I do yoga every day 
I walk every day, and um, I have my meals at the same time every day. Mm. Now, that really creates balance that brings down vata and uh, is enlivening. But I still have some bad eating habits, even though I have a good routine. Mm. So it's, I've, I've had a, the time to pay attention to, I don't feel so great today. Why could that be? Oh, I had the peanut butter sandwich yesterday. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. But I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's the rub. But as you said, to take this time and being able to notice how the pandemic has, in a way, almost forced us to be more aware, to quiet ourselves, as you said, and it is an opportunity for self-reflection. So one of the reasons that I'd wanted to have you on the show is I read a a recent uh, blog post that you did in June, and it was called How to Explain the Current Pandemic and Protect Oneself Against It. And I was really interested to read the Ayurvedic perspective on pandemics based on the ancient Vedic texts. And for those who aren't familiar with the Vedas, these are are the original spiritual texts for all, you know, the oldest ones in our human experience here, the oldest that we know about. And um, so they're thousands of years old, and yet they were talking even then about pandemics. So can you explain that or share how the ancient Ayurvedic masters looked at epidemics? Yes, I learned this in 1982 when I was studying Ayurveda. And, you know, there, there were a lot of kind of arcane things that I learned, which, of course, later I turned out, it turned out they were not arcane at all, but very relevant to modern life. And one of the things that I thought, you know, seemed very odd was their focus at, at one point in the Charaka Samhita on pandemics. It turned out that India had had many pandemics over the centuries, and the Ayurvedic um, teachers and doctors had figured out why it was that they occurred. Now, I never thought that we would have a pandemic, but right. of course, midst of one. And um, when I reread the uh, Charaka Samhita, initially I thought, because it's kind of Indian English, it, it wasn't totally rele- relevant. But by the time I got to the end of it, it was so relevant I couldn't believe it. And oh. what they said is, uh, pandemics are caused, and, and in their case it was epidemics because it was all in India, but pandemic just means an epidemic that's spread, you know, worldwide. They are caused by an imbalance in nature. In other words, spring follows winter, uh, summer follows spring, the weather has a, has a pattern. When that weather pattern changes, Things that have adjusted to the way it normally is change. Um, The weather pattern changes also due to toxins in the air. So when there are toxins in the air, in the water, um, it creates an imbalance in nature. Things that functioned one way, predators and prey that had a certain relationship that relationship changes. The, the, the genetic, there are genetic changes as well. And there are changes in the human body. When nature is not operating according to the way it normally does, 
it creates a stress in the body. The body has to adjust to it. Um, what, what can happen is uh, some of these changes can be uh, for, you know, there may be a natural predator which is no longer there. And some, something like a um, um, virus can move out of where it's located into another species. Mm-hmm. And if that species, like, like human species, is weak because of toxins in the environment and stresses, uh, it can, you know, wreak havoc. Um, mm-hmm. So the human being... Uh, is, a ref- is reflected in nature. Nature is reflected in the human being. And mm. uh, so I read that uh, National, National Geographic said that prior to the pandemic, I think it was 7 million people a, a year were being killed by air pollution. Wow. So we have polluted the air. We have polluted the oceans. We have right. done this. And... Now we're that imbalance is affecting us. Right. So so interesting because obviously we hear echoes of today's world as you've just pointed to. You know, toxins in the water, toxins in the air, uh, and also a different relationship of of man and nature. And I know part of the current theory about where the virus came from is is um, you know closer contact between certain animals and. Uh, humans. And certainly there's been a lot of loss of natural habitat and humans are more encroaching on those, you know, on those areas that were more open and set aside for for animals. So the science of, of yoga, as well as Ayurveda, and they are sister sciences, both with roots in the Vedas, they teach us to as Roy Eugene Davis says, to live in harmony with nature so that we have its full support and nature has ours. So um, you've already kind of made that connection between our health and, you know, the and natural health. Um, did you want to expand on that? Um, before we go into there, can I mention one more thing about the pandemic? Sure. Um one of the things that they said in Charaka Samhita, and again, this is like five to 10,000 years ago, and it was studying the epidemics in India, they said that epidemics most often happen when a, let me see if, if you can find that. Just one second. Well, certainly it's not a, you know, a stretch of, of imagination for us to look at the natural balance in nature and, and between ourselves and our environment, as we're talking about the air and the water, and to think that things are a bit out of balance. And of course, there are, there are improvements, you know, that are being made. We are, we are pushing some of these toxins back. I know the air, for example, is a, is a lot cleaner due to better pollution standards than we used to have. Um, due to not driving our cars as much. It, well, yeah, especially right now during the pandemic. So okay. did you find that well, I, section? I found it. And um, Charaka said that there's also a cause behind the cause, behind you know nature being out of balance. 
And often they said it is due to sinful acts of humans. Now, mm-hmm. sin means against nature. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a religious idea. It's an idea of it's not in harmony with nature, therefore it's called a sin. And they said that um, they're correlated, they're especially common when there's a leader that rules his subject by sinful means. In the earlier times, the, in, the leaders were Indian rajas and rulers of states. But by sinful means means going against nature. In other words, encouraging these, um, the pollutions and uh, in, in, in creating a situation of stress. For, for humans. So I, well, certainly yeah. there there's many things that are you know stressful right now. But I did want a chance before we um, get through this whole first segment. I did want to take a minute because a lot of people are not familiar with Ayurveda, and you've already mentioned a couple of Ayurvedic terms that I wanted to be able to talk about further. So you talked to, you mentioned both Vata and Kapha which are two of the the three doshas or blueprints as you describe them in your book. I really like the, you know, the word blueprint that you used because it really gives the sense of what the ayurvedic view of these of these three types is. So the three types in ayurveda are vata, pitta and kapha. And can you describe those using the language from your book and the the um you talk about the importance of balance of the five elements, earth, fire, water, air, and space, in order to have vibrant health and energy. So could you go over the three blueprints for us? Absolutely. So uh, vata is, the, the doshas, which are called vata, pitta, and kapha, are processes. And they are processes based in the five elements. And what I'm calling vata is sensitive, because if you have more of the, Space and air elements, um, which is movement, moving like the wind, drying, um, light, airy. You have more of those qualities, those elements, then you're, you have a sensitive blueprint, which means you're more sensitive, you might be more creative, you might be more reactive, um, more um, artistic, and um, lighter and, and flexible and liking to initiate things and to move. Um, we all have, and, and it, we think of vata nature as somebody with a very active nervous system. So they might be prone to anxiety when they're out of mm-hmm. balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you made the association earlier about the lack of driving right now you know, is, is allowing you to sort of decrease that vata so that vata is increased when we do things, when you move around, we commute, we're on the move, we, we're go, 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 like and we used to be before the pandemic. So how about how about the, the pitta nature? So everything needs to be in balance. Enough movement, not too much, not too little. Um, passionate blueprint is pitta, and pitta has the elements of fire and water. We think of fire water as alcohol, and pitchers tend to be um, more prone to addiction, um, but they're passionate. They're 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 the, the heat element of fire, and uh, they're more entrepreneurial. And pitchers tend to feel they're always right. Uh, they're very analytical, and so they often are right. But their imbalances would would be uh, they're prone would be prone to things like inflammation, 
or emotionally, like anger, jealousy, resentment, Mm -hmm. things like that. And kapha is the solid, you know, grounded uh, dosha, what I call stable blueprint. It's the water and earth elements. So um, it's very supportive, very nourishing. Um, People in the health fields generally have a lot of kapha. They're more compassionate than the other doshas. and uh, they, are, they may be prone to, when out of balance, uh, um, holding on to something too long, um, gaining weight, being too stable, unable to move, kind of stuck. So these sound like three different types of people, but actually these three doshas are in every cell and in every person. And we just have a particular proportion of the sensitive, passionate, and stable aspects. And when we have that proportion, let's say I'm one vata, three pitta, two kapha, proportionate, like pieces of a pie, um, then that's what I, if I express that in my life, in my food, in my activity level, in my passion level, etc., then I'm healthy. If I overstress one of the doshas that I'm not strong in, I'll go out of balance. Right. And what I think is so interesting as a Western trained physician is that because there are different types of people, there are also, it it looks different when someone goes out of balance. So going out of balance for a pitta might, or a passionate type, as you say, might involve being quicker to anger. Um, having acid reflux, feeling you know, more inflammation, as you as you noted, in your um, in your body, um, for for a um, an airy type, um, for the for the uh, um, vata, the sensitive type, as you said, um, it might look like um, you know just being ungrounded, sort of difficult to focus, right? And pain, pain is a um, quality of sensitive uh, type because of the nervous system being its primarily, that's the primary mover of our body. Right. So all and then, pain is sensitive. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, and then the stable type or the kapha type, um, the, you know, earth type, when they're out of balance, there may just be a tendency to, to um, be too, too static, you know, too unmoving. Um, too stuck, as you said. And so it's a beautiful system that really allows there to be personalized recommendations for each person and pers- and individual things to watch out for, for a sign of you being out of balance. Exactly. And the same disease, what we call in, in our Western terminology a disease, manifests with different causes. And um, and it's treated differently in Ayurveda. In Ayurveda, we treat the, the individual, not the disease. So we, we, we treat the underlying cause. So one of the, the other beautiful things about Ayurveda to me is these, these uh, qualities, these three types that we've just been talking about, also have relationships to the natural world, to times of day, and also to to seasons. 
And here we are, we are, you know, in the, in the, well, I guess it's actually maybe more towards the end of summer, at least the middle towards the end of summer. And so can you talk a little bit about that, about how the fact of the, this particular time of year may be affecting the different types? Well, certainly. Um, what, we are like fish in a fishbowl. And if you have a sick fish, you don't take the fish out of the fishbowl and fix it. You fix the water, the water pH, the water nourishment, etc. So we are affected by our environment. And in the summer, it's hot. So our body heats up. And if we're a vata or sensitive type person, we love the heat of summer. And we particularly like it when it's hot and humid because we're dry and cold. But if we're pitta by nature, more... more um, passionate by nature, that heat may create imbalances in us. We may have some skin problems. We may um, get some inflammation. We may feel angry and irritable. So if you are, if you have a lot of passionate, if you have a lot of pitta in your nature, the summer is the time to cool down, to have more salads, more cucumbers, um, and to avoid hot, spicy foods and acidic foods and fried foods. Um, Kapha also likes the summer because Kapha is cold, Kapha or stable person. Um, And then in the fall, Vata comes up. The the air starts changing. The temperature, any kind of a change also affects Vata in the body. And um, Pittas tend to love the fall. I myself love the fall. It's my favorite time of year. I used to think it was because school started and I loved to study, but now I'm thinking, no, it's because the, the, the sluggishness that I can feel in the summer because it's getting overheated starts to dissipate and my energy comes back. Right. But if you have more sensitive nature, then you, you might not like the fall. It might start to create, um, you might feel spacey and anxious, especially when the wind comes up. And then in mm-hmm. the winter... You know, again, it's, it's cold time. If, if you're more pitta, you might enjoy the winter. If you're more kapha, um, you, you may get more congestions, more cold. And um, with that, we need to go to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our guest today, Cynthia Koppel, the longest continually practicing U.S.-trained Ayurvedic practitioner and now Ayurvedic doctor in the U.S. and the author of Know Your Blueprint. You can learn more about Cynthia at the website lotusayurveda.com and follow her on Facebook at Lotus Ayurveda. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about increasing our immunity and health. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back from the break. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm joined today by Cynthia Koppel. So, Cynthia, as we've been talking about 
obviously we're in the middle of, well, we don't actually know where we are and we're in a pandemic, let's say, and we know that it's important to take care of our bodies and build our immune systems. We were talking earlier about this blog post that you did in June. And I did want to mention to people that you can get it get uh, access to the blog post because we probably won't be able to talk about everything that was really a packed (laughs) blog post. You can um, check at Cynthia's uh, website, Lotus Ayurveda, lotusayurveda.com, right, Cynthia? Yep. And then there's a link to blogs and just look back. Um, Cynthia does one blog post a month. So just look back into June and you'll find this blog post we're talking about. So you, you talk about OJAS, in the blog post. And this is something that I, I think it's, it's one of the lesser known features, at least for me of Ayurveda. So talk to us about OJAS. What is OJAS? So OJAS we, we think of as uh, roughly equi- equivalent to the, uh, the Western idea of the immune system, but it's, it's different. Um, it's, 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 it's both, uh, it's the only thing in Ayurveda that's both energetic and physical. And it's stored as energy, like in a as a as a car battery stores the the energy for the car. Uh-huh. Um, we have a storage of of ojas, and when we get sick, when we sneeze, when we eat something that doesn't agree with us, when we breathe in something toxic, um, this ojas activates and heals us. It restores balance. So one way of looking at illness from an Ayurvedic standpoint is that it's a lack of ojas. Because if you have Mm. enough ojas, you don't get sick. Mm. And so it's important to keep our ojas and not deplete it. And there are numerous ways that we can deplete our ojas. And among those are anxiety, worry, white-hot anger, the wrong food, too much dry or raw food, um, trauma. So if you have a trauma, a, a big trauma, it depletes your ojas. You feel very weak afterwards, and generally you can get sick. I mean, I, I think that trauma isn't always negative, because mm-hmm. if you retire from your job of 30 years, it's a traumatic change, and many people get sick after that. Um, right. And, and you could have a, a trauma that is ongoing in your life uh, that, that hasn't been resolved. So all of these things reduce OJAS. And we're in a, you know, this, this uh, pandemic time for us is a, is a trauma. It's changed our lives, and it's a stress. And so mm-hmm. our OJAS will tend to decrease. And it's very, very important at this time to work at keeping our OJAS level strong. So at the early at the very beginning of the program, you mentioned that OJAS is related, I think, to kapha. What is that relationship between OJAS and kapha, the, the one of the three doshas that we were talking about earlier, the, the stable blueprint that you mentioned in your book, and right. the one that is associated with water and earth? Right. So the process of digestion, according to Ayurveda, it all starts with digestion. This is why Ayurveda really focuses on right digestion, right foods and right digestion as the the source of our health. 
and wrong food, wrong digestion being the source of our imbalance, which leads to disease. Um, there's seven stages of digestion. You know, it starts in the mouth, um, goes to the stomach, goes to the small intestines, and creates seven levels of tissue, what are called tissue. The seventh is the sexual tissue, the ovum, the sperm. So think of the sperm and the ovum as being the essence of, of the body. You know, that's the essence that's going to create a new body. After that level, um, the, the three subtle elements are created. The subtle element of vata, pitta, and kapha. Kapha is the third, um, the final stage of digestion. And it's that only um, energetic dosha, you could call, that is also physical. So it is uh, the subtle element of kapha. So kapha being that stability, this is the subtle element, the energetic element of kapha. Um, without, so, without these three energetic elements, uh, levels, you know, we don't have strong health. That's great. And I really appreciated how you likened it when you were first describing it to a battery that stores energy. So I, I, that was really helpful for me. So how do you build OJAS, which is something you really go into in, in your um, newsletter. But just let's start with that. Just what, are, what do you think are some of the important uh, things that we can do to build OJAS, which is going to help us build our human immunity? So one, one thing, because fear, which is the greatest force depleting our OJAS today, I believe, love defeats fear. When you're feeling love, you don't feel fear. So having compassion for others, volunteering to help others, increases your store of love. When you have that feeling, you don't have fear. And OGIS increases. So I think of fear as kind of eating away at or eroding our OGIS. And love builds it. Great. So doing something for others, doing which is a lovely practice. We can also know that it's also benefiting ourselves. Exactly. Another way to switch from fear to love is to remember what you're grateful for. Mm. You know, list what you're grateful for before bed. Um, so it's a lovely tomorrow... practice, gratitude practice. It's it's so helpful at this time because there, we focus so much on what we've lost, what we can't do. May have and we may have lost important things. Of course, we may have lost even a family member, you know, and and that is a huge loss. And yet, there are still things in our lives. If we can focus on that, if we can have that as a practice in our days to notice, is it a beautiful day? Is there a flower that you can notice that is just really, really beautiful? There are things that you can be grateful for, and, and I love the idea of practicing gratitude, right? As you get in bed and really thinking about all of the things that are good in your life, that are positive and beneficial in your life. And, you know, to remember, I think most spiritual people believe that what is, is. You know, all of our problems come from what, how we interpret what is. So letting, letting life be life, letting events be events, and not fighting against them, not wishing they were different, but taking them as a gift. You know, the pandemic is a gift. Somebody, you know, we have a great loss, 
what is the gift in that 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 will come afterwards? We don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, focusing on letting things be the way they are. You know, somebody really irritates you. You know, they're just a horrible person. Instead of focusing on that, just focusing on, oh, you know, I'm feeling anger. Uh, that person doesn't know what they're doing. I, you know, uh, let them be. I don't need to react to them. Maybe I can find a strategy for dealing with them. You know, rather than stoking our internal fires. And so really we want to get out of that fight or flight stress response to life. Right. And one of the things that's always helpful for me in in situations, the annoying situations that come up for all of us every every day, is just to remember that we don't know what is going on with that other person's life at this moment. We have no idea. And who knows, maybe they did just lose a family member, maybe they are just lost their job. I mean, there are a lot of things that could be happening in people's lives that make them short or unpleasant in some way to be around. So just remembering that we have not walked in their shoes is one of the ways that's helpful for me to be able to let go of some of these things and not react as strongly as I might have at another time. Very good point. Very good point. Um, Meditation, breathing practices, pranayama and yoga. I, I think of these as practices that restore our body, mind to the factory settings. (laughs) The fact that our nature. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and is there a particular, for example, breathing practice? I was thinking of alternate nostril breathing. That's a favorite of mine, of a way to balance your energy. So people who aren't familiar with that, just you know, blocking off to start off. Usually you exhale, you block off the the uh, right nostril, and inhale through the left. Uh, block off both nostrils just for, you know, momentarily at the top of the breath, unblock the right nostril. So you're breathing out on the right, leave that right side open to breathe in on the right, again, hold at the top with both nostrils closed, and then breathe out through the left. So again, in on the left, out on the right, in on the right, out on the left. And that is a very balancing pranayama. It's a very balancing breathing exercise to be able to do. I totally agree. And if you practice this daily, you you find that you are more grounded, you're you're less reactive, your anxiety goes away. And if you feel extreme stress, this is an excellent exercise. There's another simpler one if you're if you if your anxiety suddenly comes up, which is simply to inhale count four and exhale count eight. And do that maybe twenty five times. Longer right. exhale just calms the nervous system down. That um, is wonderful uh, point about how the exhale. This has been fascinating to me as a Western trained physician to know that if you lengthen the exhale, you are activating the parasympathetic, the rest and recovery system rather than the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight. And this is probably the simplest way of doing it is you increase the length of the exhale. You mentioned a four and eight count, which I think is great. But for a lot of people who are anxious, they can't get it that long. So I would say even if it's a one inhale and a two exhale, that's <laughs> you're moving in the right direction. And gradually as exactly. you go, gradually as you go, try and increase the exhale um, you know, which will which will calm the the anxiety and that you know that 
feeling that you just, you know, you can't sit still, you you're so restless, um, gradually increasing the exhale in any in any any way you can do it. So four and eight would be great, but if you can't, if it takes a little while to get there, that's fine too. Yes, and you can do one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You can count <laughs> that's right. That. And you'll find naturally that your breath is slowing down when you do this practice. Right, right. exactly. Exactly. Well, so another thing is, you know, to increase ojas, and especially now during the pandemic, it, the virus seems to attack the lungs. I mean, it attacks other things, too. But if you, this is also good if you have cold or congestion. But avoid kapha-producing foods, um, congestion, uh, in, you know, uh, producing foods like yogurt, cheese, anything sweet, which means sugar, as well as excessive fruits, you know, avoiding sweet drinks and smoothies, mm-hmm. avoiding cold foods, raw foods, overly salty or oily foods or bread. So there's a... Um, Ayurvedic healing diet that I have in my book, Know Your Blueprint, and I think it might be on my website as well, which is mostly vegetarian with, you know, if you're not a vegetarian, then uh, some some fish, uh, chicken, and, and turkey. Mostly warm food, uh, not cold uh, temperature, freshly made with all six tastes, nothing extreme. So if you, you know, my tendency is to like peanut butter and jelly, but I can't just have one, you know, <laughs> then I have to have it the next day. If I, you know, anything that you sort of get addicted to is probably not going to be good for you. So variety mm-hmm. in your diet, um, eating mm-hmm. at the right times for you. Ayurveda says that, you know, the, the digestive system is, is a process that has time. It, it takes a certain amount of time to digest and if you're more on the vata side, on the sensitive side, you might have a very fast digestion and you may be hungry every three hours. So mm-hmm. trying to fit into some pattern that's not natural to your body will, will deplete, deplete your ojas. If you're mm-hmm. kapha, you have a more slower digestion and might be only hungry every six hours and fit mm-hmm. to someplace in the middle. If you have an imbalance, um, let's see if a vata imbalance, or, you, you know, as we age, our vata naturally increases. So we may have to eat more frequently. So find, and, and at regular times, not irregular, and not following the, you know, setting a schedule. Um, if you eat heavy food, you won't be hungry for a long time. If you eat light food, you'll be hungry. So having food, you know, in the proportion that, can keep your digest your hunger coming up at regular intervals is really important. Um, and then having a social life is very important for your ojas. Mm. Um, otherwise, you, you'll be too sluggish, you'll be de- de- depressed, you might eat too much, you might feel anxious. You, you need, we need love. And how we get love is by expressing love. And we need people around us that we can express it to. And Ayurveda also says that our, we need to express our nature. And um, so not expressing uh, basically creates imbalance. So we should um, choose to be around people who encourage us to be ourselves, not who want us to be a certain way that's different than who we are. Right. 
And we were saying a little bit at the beginning that this pandemic is an opportunity for us to practice self-study, which is one of the three main practices of Kriya Yoga set forth in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. So as we turn within and we notice, as you were saying, when you feel sluggish, can look back. What did I eat? What was my day like yesterday? But what I've noticed as we go through this pandemic is my ability to cope with the restrictions that we're living under really varies. So it kind of has highs and lows. There's times when it doesn't bother me at all. And it's really fine. And I can reach out to people, I schedule zooms, I might meet for a backyard coffee, you know, where we can sit more than six feet apart and chat, which was which is really a lovely thing to do. And then there are times when my energy really dips, and it feels very static and every day is the same. It feels like the movie Groundhog Day, where we're just living it over and over and over again. And what I notice about myself then is it's harder for me to reach out. It's harder for me to make those connections, to make that plan, to invite a friend for coffee, to set up a Zoom, all of that kind of decreases and you can end up in a downward spiral. And what I've noticed is it's really helpful for me at that time to just get out of the house, get out of the house, take a walk, be outside, be in nature. And that can refresh me enough, refresh my energy enough that I have the energy to reach out and do those things that you're just mentioning are so important. You know, opposites increase. So if or opposites decrease and similars increase. So kapha is that kind of grounded quality. If we're not moving, you know, we're kind of stuck in one place, kapha increases so we can feel stuck. The opposite to that is vata, which is movement. So if we move, we're decreasing the kapha. And in a condition that you, you mentioned, we want to decrease the kapha because we're out of balance in it. And so movement is, is perfect. And, and physically movement, physically moving, or, or um, even just making a plan, a life plan, or you know, creating some movement. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So we've talked about a little bit about schedules, and you've talked about the importance of a schedule for, for eating. Can you say a little bit more about the, why is it important for there to be a schedule, for us to have a schedule, for us to eat, for example, on, at regular times, even if it may be different for someone who's a kapha who may need to eat more frequently, yet it's still important to have a schedule? Um, Ayurveda says, for one thing, nature has a schedule. The sun rises, the sun goes down. Uh, winds come up, they, they go away. The seasons come. Um, these, these are all regular. So regularity is kind of what creates ojas. Irregularity creates vata problems, problems with our nervous system, problems with pain, um, with anxiety. Um, so finding, it's, it's not just any old pattern, but finding our own unique pattern. It's sort of like, you know, when you exercise a certain amount, you feel great. And when you do too much, you feel exhausted, and it maybe lasts till the next day. Uh, when you overeat, you know, you know that you don't feel great. When you eat just right, you feel great. So this regularity is, is really, if you pay attention, um, your body will tell you, you know, what is your natural pattern. 
But in our culture, and probably most cultures, we're looking outward, and we're we're determining when we eat what we do based on you know external situation. But for example, from six to ten a.m. and p.m. is kapha time or stable time. So it's the cool cool time. Things are things are cool and um, slow, and and the body is slow in the morning. So that's a really good time to exercise. As we were saying, if you're feeling too sluggish, then exercise is good. Um, that's a good time to eat breakfast, but it should be easy to digest. Something like a like a hot um, oatmeal or, or something, you know, uh, hot and not not a smoothie because it's the cold time. That'll mm-hmm. cold down cool down your digestive system. Ten to two is pitta time, posh passionate time. That's the hot time. In, in the daytime, that's that's the time to eat lunch. Um, and to eat the high, more food, more protein, because we have a stronger digestion. 10, a, 10 p.m. to 10 to 10 8 to 2 p.m. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is also pitta time. So if we're awake past 10, our pitta energies come up, and we get alert, we get focused, and we get kind of driven, and we're not tired. We don't want to slow down because we've passed that cup of time when our body's slowing down in the evening. Mm-hmm. We may be awake till... And All our right. body can't, can't heal the pitta things unless we're asleep, pitta time. Right. Two to six what I think is so funny is, is I, you know, if you are paying attention, you can really feel this. Like, I can be really exhausted at 9.30, and then it gets to be a little past 10, and, oh, I am raring to go again. <laughs> So you can really feel these. And if people aren't aware of that, just pay pay attention. See what happens tonight. See how you feel, say, about 930 and see if you if your energy has increased around, you know, 1030. It's just a, it's a very interesting thing that you can actually confirm with your own experience. I really think all of the Ayurvedic um, tenets can be confirmed with experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm the type great. of person that I don't, I don't take anything on faith. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. So after 35 years of practicing Ayurveda and seeing, you know, thousands of clients, you know, it, it, it tension, what Ayurveda says is pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. So we've talked about the importance of schedule. We talked about particularly in eating, and you kind of alluded to this, these other two, but just to drive it home. So it seems like the important things to have a, on the schedule are not just your eating times, but also your sleeping. When you go to bed and when you wake up and also your exercise times. And you already mentioned this a tiny bit. Can you say more about the sleeping hours and then um, exercising times? Um, Yes. So even Western science has discovered now that, you know, poor sleep leads to disease, basically. Uh, Vata diseases, nervous system diseases. So we want to soundly. And um, there, there are many ways that you can, uh, if you have a sleep problem, there are many Ayurvedic solutions, depending on what it is. Um, if you wake between 2 and 6 a.m., that's a vata problem. If you go to sleep and wake between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., it's a pitta problem. So you might have some, in, some um, acid indigestion or something if you're waking at pitta time. You may have and some. Cynthia, I'm so sorry. I asked you that lovely question, and I realize uh, it's much later than you know we thought, and it actually is time to close. So, did you have one last little thought you wanted to add to that? Um, I think the key is 
to live in, in harmony with our own nature and to try to maintain the external nature in its own balance, taking care of the external nature and taking care of our internal nature. Right, keeping our vitality, keeping our ojas, and keeping in balance, being who we are, not somebody that we think we should be. Ah, that's lovely. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing how to increase immunity and health with Ayurveda. And our guest has been Cynthia Koppel, director of the Lotus Holistic Health Institute in Santa Cruz, California, and author of the book, Know Your Blueprint. You can learn more about Cynthia Koppel and Lotus Holistic Health Institute at their website, lotusayurveda.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cynthia. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of this ancient wisdom. I, I really appreciate being asked. Join me next time when I'll be talking with Reverend Priya Friday Pabros, the spiritual director of Meditate and Thrive, and a senior Kriya Yoga teacher at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. We will be discussing racism, spiritual practice, and compassionate right action. The Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which sponsors this program, uh, has many online programs offering things with Yogacharya O'Brien and other senior teachers. You can check out the online offerings at the website csecenter.org, and there's a link to online programs right on that main page. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder, director, and host of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, system producers Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado, CSE's global media outreach manager Holly Gray and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unityonlineradio.org. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 